Is there something wrong? Warning. Life support failure on all decks. Abandon ship. Maybe it is time to take command. Bridge to Captain. Join Jan Shaw updating current events as only Jan can. Library computer. Data being received. Produced by CosmicReality.com Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw, the Success Alchemist. You can find me at thesuccessalchemist.net on Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw, the Success Alchemist. On Twitter, at Coach Jan Shaw. On Telegram, US UK Patriot. And Truth Social, Success Alchemist. Today is the 18th of March, 2023. And the title of today's show is The Satanic Agenda. What really happened on January 6th? Trump to be arrested and financial meltdown. So another action-packed show in store for, for today with so much going on again this week. Um, I just want to start with a little reminder. I mean, I, I talk about this a lot, but basically... The principle that information is necessary, not negative. And for those of you who have listened to my shows for some time, you'll know that my foundational principle, which is a universal law, is the power of neutrality, that we actually choose how to interpret things and whether we consider them to be positive or negative or even neutral. And one of the things I always say is that when you're looking at things that might be interpreted as negative news, you can choose to withhold energy from it. You can view it from a neutral position. So you can take that information in without kind of putting emotional reaction into it, which actually feeds energy to the problem rather than what we want to do is put energy into the solution. So it was just a quick reminder of that because I know sometimes, you know, all the stuff that we're hearing, which to me is great news because we're looking at massive exposure of the dark side, the deep state. But, you know, sometimes it can get overwhelming if you just seem to be seeing bad news all the time. But, um, and that's where being neutral and, and viewing this from that position of neutrality is really important because it helps you not get emotionally caught up in this on a, with negative emotions. And it also helps you to stand back and see the bigger picture of what does this really mean? What is really going on here? So I just wanted to start with that because obviously, you know, I'm going to come up now with um, 10 reasons or 10 signs that we're under demonic attack. But this has been going on for millennia, this, this almost demonic control of the planet but the fact is that we weren't seeing it before. It was hidden. It was occult, which basically means hidden. What we're seeing is blatantly in the open the evidence that the, the planet basically has been controlled 
by satanic forces, but is going through a process of liberation, in my view, because, you know, these things are being brought into the light and light is the best disinfectant. And by seeing it, we can actually do something about it and not allow it to continue to operate underground, as it were. So let's have a look at this. Um, the first thing is we're seeing satanic inversion everywhere. You know, light is dark. Truth is lies. Lies are truth. Um, everything is a reversal, which is the basic satanic code. The second thing is this pushing of transgenderism for children, particularly when it is catastrophic for children to go through even these puberty blockers, this um, hormone treatment, and even mutilation to physically appear as though you're a different gender. It's absolutely horrific. These drag queen shows that are blatantly sexual, that parents are taking their children to. I mean, I cannot believe parents who would expose their children to that kind of obscene performance. Number four, pushing sexuality on children through the inclusion of pornography in schools. And there have been people, parents at school boards, that have been reading out some of the content of these books and being shut down because it is too obscene to share in that kind of group. Well, if it's too obscene for adults, then goodness me, children shouldn't be seeing it. Number five, of course, is the normalization of pedophilia, which we're seeing everywhere. Number six, symbolism in the media and in movies. Um, we're seeing it in uh, these halftime shows, in music videos, not to mention in movies themselves. Hollywood, of course. Um, seven, LGBTQ plus rights, where this minority is being pushed on everybody. And it's almost like the majority of normal people, <laughs> heterosexual, blah, 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 are being forced into not even just accepting this um, sexual orientation, but actually, you know, forced to promote it almost. And we're seeing all these woke companies that are pushing it and this equity thing and, and you know, putting people in positions of power based on their gender, their colour, their sexual orientation. It's absolutely ridiculous. And the latest financial crashes with the Silicon Valley Bank, which I've, I've covered earlier, I'm going to talk about later in the show, was because the company was focused not on strong financial management, but upon, you know, pushing LGBTQ within the organization is crazy. Um, Badlands Media has done an article on false flags and how they are related to occultism, and particularly in terms of dates when these things are perpetrated, linking to satanic dates for ritual sacrifice. I haven't got time to go into that uh, article, but it is interesting. And I'm sure most of my listeners are aware of this because we've been deep down the rabbit hole. But 
you know, even 9-11 was a satanic sacrificial ritual. Number nine, cancelling of women, replacing us with trans women like Daryl Mulvaney. She's, well, he actually, I shouldn't say she because it's a, a guy dressing up as a woman and going all girly. I mean, it's it's quite pathetic to see this person, but she's been given so much attention. Um, there was an outcry when he appeared on with Drew Barrymore and she went on her knees in front of this guy sitting on the couch. And there was this big celebration of 365 days of womanhood. And we've also seen these trans women, guys dressed up, receiving all these women's awards. Like Woman of the Year was Rachel Levine. I'm going to be talking about her and him in a minute. Um, we've had sports people that are given awards when they're actually men, not women. Uh, the list goes on. It's, it's appalling. And then the last one, and I mentioned Rachel Levine. Rachel Levine is pushing tra gender transition targets for kids. And I actually have an article about that. I'm just going to go into that briefly now. And this article is from Blaze Media. Biden's transsexual assistant secretary of health suggests America will soon embrace gender affirming mutilation of children. Wheels will turn on this. And it says, Assistant Secretary for Health Rachel Levine told a crowd of paediatric healthcare providers last month that he is optimistic that genital mutilation and chemical transmogrification of children, euphemistically referred to as gender-affirming care, will soon be fully embraced. The Biden nominee spoke at a paediatric grand round session hosted in February by Connecticut Children's an expansive health system catering to kids. Levine, the highest-ranking transsexual official in U.S. history, discussed gender-affirming care, the long-term impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, and mental health problems suffered by American youths. By proactively engaging with the social and environmental world that defines our patients' lives, we can help them in terms of preventative care, acute care, chronic care and other very impactful issues that affect our children and their families, said Levine. Levine intimated that the failure by the social and environmental world to fully embrace the transsexual agenda has resulted in mentally ill youths attempting suicide. A Pew Research Center national survey published in June found that 46% of U.S. adults polled favored making it illegal for healthcare professionals to help someone under the age of 18 with medical care for gender transition. 72% of Republican or Republican-leaning respondents supported the statement. 58% of all respondents agreed that transsexual athletes should have to compete on sports teams that match their biological sex. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer and intersex Americans, especially our youth, are very challenged at this time and are attempting suicide at an alarming rate, claimed the health secretary. Gender-affirming care is medical care. Gender-affirming care is mental health care. And literally, gender-affirming care is suicide prevention care, said the health secretary. 
Dr. Stanley Goldfarb of the anti-woke medical group Do No Harm told Fox News Digital that contrary to Levine's claims, there is no good evidence that children treated with gender-altering hormones or puberty blockers improved mental health assessments. Levine's appearance at Connecticut Children's Hospital praising gender-affirming care for minors and claiming it will be fully embraced is wrong and must be countered, added Goldfarb. A recent study from the University of Washington showed that there was absolutely no change in the psychological well-being of children with gender dysphoria treated with these medications. There can be irrevocable harm being done to children by those pushing for these radical, ideologically driven treatments. The Blaze previously reported on a study published September 19th in the Journal of Sex and Marital Therapy that explained how the puberty blockers foisted on children as part of the gender-affirming care regime are also known as luteinizing hormone-releasing hormone agonists or GnRHA drugs. These drugs used also to chemically castrate men are not just creating sexless adults, but depleting victims' bone density, hampering their cognitive development and producing a myriad of harmful emotional effects. The American College of Pediatricians reportedly indicated that GnRHA drugs arrest bone growth, decrease bone accretion, prevent the sex steroid-dependent organisation and maturation of the adolescent brain and inhibit fertility by preventing the development of gonadal tissue and mature gametes for the duration of treatment. Per Goldfarb's suggestion that irrevocable damage is being done to minors, a host of so-called detransitioners such as Chloe Cole and Michelle Zakigna have recently begun speaking out about how gender-affirming care inevitably amounts to irreversible damage. Levine told Connecticut Children's that the Biden administration will try everything we can legally to circumnavigate the democratic will of Americans in states that have enacted prohibitions on the mutilation of children. After all, said Levine, transsexual medical procedures on minors have the Biden administration's highest support. In an interview Monday with The Daily Show, President Joe Biden singled out Florida's laws barring chemical and surgical transsexual treatment for kids, suggesting they are cruel. Biden's comments further evidence of the highest support Levine mentioned in Connecticut took on a quasi-religious dimension. What's going on in Florida, as my mother would say, is close to sinful. It's just terrible what they're doing, said Biden. Levine suggested that the Biden administration's support will soon become the norm. I think that it's not going to be politically advantageous. It wasn't particularly in 2022. And so I think that as we look to all the different elections in 2024, I think the next two years are going to be challenging, said the health secretary. But I'm a positive and optimistic person and I choose to be positive, optimistic. And I think that the wheels will turn on this. Levine claimed that criticism of the gender affirming care he intends to help normalise tends to be ideologically and politically motivated and is unconscionable, reported the New York Post. 
In April 2022, Levine told NPR that for some critics, these issues of gender identity are beyond their experience. They don't understand it and so they fear it. And that fear can lead to negative feelings and emotions. Levine had also claimed that there is no argument among medical professionals, paediatricians, paediatric endocrinologists, adolescent medicine physicians, adolescent psychiatrists, psychologists, etc., about the value and the importance of gender-affirming care. Representative Andy Harris, a member of the House Doctors' Caucus and co-chair of the Pro-Life Caucus, told Fox News Digital that it was reprehensible for a government official, let alone the assistant U.S. secretary of HHS, to promote the genital mutilation of minors as becoming a standard practice. Many paediatricians, particularly paediatric endocrinologists, have expressed serious concerns about the use of puberty blockers, hormone blockers and sex transition surgeries in minors, said Harris. These doctors know that these medications and procedures can impact children's bone growth, fertility and risk of breast and prostate cancer. Meanwhile, HHS has pressured providers to provide this care or else face discrimination lawsuits. We must protect our children. And yes, indeed, we must. And I reported on this after watching the um, Daily Wire documentary with Matt Walsh, What is a Woman? And some of the um, attitudes of these paediatricians almost pushing these young kids into gender-affirming treatment is absolutely horrific. I'm going to move on now to what really happened on January 6th. And this is not to do with the release of the January 6th videos. It's more of a legal question and explains why the 2020 election was stolen and how it was stolen. Obviously, you know, there's a lot going on relating to the January 6th videos. And there's been a call to have a special master assigned to look at this and in view of the way the evidence has been withheld from the January 6th prisoners, which I covered last week. And Jacob Chandley, I think it is, his lawyer, he was the QAnon shaman, his lawyers called for his conviction to be overturned in the light of the video that's been released now. But this is something that I wasn't aware of, and I don't think there are many, even the Anons, and most of them are not aware of this. So I think it's really important to understand. And this is an article from the Conservative Treehouse, the parliamentary motive behind the January 6th Fed surrection. And it's from March 12th. The ring of truth. I am too well accustomed to the taking of evidence not to detect the ring of truth. That was Edith Wharton in 1908. Much has been made of the events of January 6, 2021. And with the latest broadcast of CCTV video from inside the Capitol Hill complex, more questions have been raised. Within the questions, the FBI and government apparatus had advanced knowledge of the scale of the January 6 mile assembly, yet doing nothing. Why were the Capitol Hill police never informed of the FBI concerns? 
Why didn't House Speaker Nancy Pelosi secure the Capitol Hill complex? And why did she deny the request by President Trump to call up the National Guard for security support? Why did the FBI have agent provocateurs in the crowd seemingly stimulating rage within a peaceful crowd to enter the Capitol building? There have always been these nagging questions around why. Long-time CTH reader Regitija has spent a great deal of time reviewing the entire process, looking at the granular timeline and then overlaying the bigger picture of the constitutional and parliamentary process itself. What follows below is a brilliant analysis of the federal government motive to create a January 6th crisis that permitted House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to trigger an emergency session and avoid the 2020 election certification challenges. So I just want to interject at this point that I've said on several previous shows about how the timing of the breach of the Capitol was just at the point that the election challenges were started starting to be voiced. And then, of course, when they reconvened after the um, January 6th protests, suddenly there were no objections made. And we, you know, many of us couldn't understand why that was. And this article is actually explaining why. So to continue, those congressional floor challenges known and anticipated well in advance of the morning of January 6th, 2021, would have formed a legal and constitutional basis for standing in judicial challenges that would have eventually reached the Supreme Court. The certification during emergency session eliminated the problem for Washington, D.C. Regitija explains below, only edited for clarity and context, I think most, not all, but a large number of people are totally missing what happened and why this happened on January 6. I'm going to try my best to outline the events that day. Blast past the commonly held assumptions and get right down to the core corruption. I will present this as a series of questions and answers. Question 1. How do you prevent Congress from delaying the certification of state electoral votes? Answer, it requires a crisis, a crisis that creates an emergency, in quotes, an emergency that invokes special house rules. Facts. Remember carefully, focus please, just moments, literally three minutes before two representatives issued a vote for motions to suspend the certification, the house members were informed by Capitol Police and other agents that a protest was about to breach the chambers. It was at this time that key people, Pence, Pelosi, Schumer, McConnell, can be seen being walked out and escorted from the chamber. This effectively halted the entire chamber process. Question two. Why was it necessary to halt the chamber process? Answer. The crisis was created to eliminate the motion challenges, to halt the certification and to begin voting, to look into voting irregularities and fraud. Facts. The two motions were completely legal and constitutional under at least two constitutionally recognised procedures, procedures that would require the House to pause the certification and then vote to determine whether the motions of suspend could move forward. Question three. 
What was so important to refuse this motion and the subsequent votes to suspend the electoral certification? Answer. It was important to remove that process entirely and continue the fraud and certify the fraud with no detractors on record. This effectively gives no standing for a SCOTUS ruling appeal. Understand this, if those two motions, even just one, had successfully been voted, even if the motions were denied in vote, this gives those who presented them with standing for a constitutional legal argument before SCOTUS. Question 4. Could this have been done some other way other than creating a crisis stroke protest? Answer. Unlikely. In order to prevent those two motions requires that Speaker of the House, Minority Leaders and the President of the Congress, that's Vice President of the United States, Pence, to not be present in the chambers. Once the Capitol Police and other law enforcement agents inform the Speaker and these three other individuals, Pelosi unilaterally under emergency rules suspended the business of the Congress. This protest was necessary. The crisis was created because there is no other way to suspend the business of certification unilaterally. By creating a crisis invokes emergency procedures. No other circumstances other than war or mass simultaneous explosive diarrhea can create such unilateral speaker-delivered suspension of the certification. Question 5. Why did the motions, once that the Speaker reconvened Congress, move forward back again to the floor for votes? Why were members disallowed to even consider putting forward any motions to the floor in when the chamber business was reopened? Answer. The Speaker initiated the new sessions under special emergency rules. These rules abandon and make it clear that the only purpose of the new session was to expedite the certification and dismiss all prior regular session procedural rules. This is why those two motions to table votes to consider a debate and pause to the certifications of state vote electors never happened later that evening when the House business was reconvened. Question 6. Other than new rules, emergency rules, what other peculiar things occurred when the Speaker reconvened? Answer. Members were allowed to vote in proxy, remotely, not being present. You can use your imagination about what conditions were placed on all members during this time to prevent anyone from getting out of line. Also, clearly, it was at this new session that VP Pence, President of Congress, would also have no ability to even consider pausing the electoral certification because there were no motions of disagreements on the matter. So in a technical legal claim, he is correct that he had no constitutional authority to address any issues of fraud or doubts about electoral irregularities. But this completely dismisses the fact that Congress created rules in this crisis stroke emergency that never allowed them to be flawed. Understand what happened on January 6, 2021. Don't get hung up on Viking imposters, stolen Pelosi computers, podium heists and complicit capital police. Understand the process and what happened and what was not allowed to happen. This was a coup. It was a very organised and carefully planned coup. 
VP Pence, without a doubt, as well as most members of the House, were quite aware of how the certification was going to be managed. It would require new rules to prevent the debate clause from occurring. New rules that only an emergency crisis could create. So they created an emergency. Noted, I understand why many people have great interest in debunking the January 6th event. I get that. I think it is important to dissect and examine the events of that day, but please step back and understand why these things happened. Examine the chain of events in Congress. Why those two motions that would have at least paused the certification that would give VP Pence the constitutionally recognised power to move to suspend the electoral certification and then examine the irregularities and claims of fraud. At the very centre of this coup stands Mike Pence, the same individual who also spoiled President Trump's first opportunities in the early hours of the, his presidency just four years prior when he created and facilitated the removal of Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. I will not spend much time on this thread explaining why Lieutenant General Flynn was so important to President Trump and why the IC was so afraid he would have advisory power to the President. That I will leave for another day, another time. But understand this clearly. Mike Pence was and is working for the most corrupt, criminal, treasonous people in government. Pro tip. If you really want to get a true understanding of this matter, videos of protesters walking in the Capitol is not going to address them. Actual video and timeline records of events and the specific actions taken by the Speaker just moments before two major electoral altering motions were about to be floored. This crisis was developed just in time with a precise coordination to prevent those two motions to be entered into the chamber record. The two motions do not exist. The emergency powers established in the new session made sure they never could be entered. The emergency powers could never happen without a crisis. God bless America. Note from author. That was the end of that section, by the way. I started this effort years ago. Today, no one, and I mean no one, has replied. It's as if everyone that can expose it that has a larger platform is either disinterested or suspiciously withdrawn from the issue. I made several comments about this over the years right here at CTH on article threads that are relevant to the topic. I was watching the certification live that day. I recorded it all on every channel. I was doing this because no matter what happened that day, I knew it would be a profound and significant event to remember. I never in my wildest imagination, and I have a pretty vivid imagination, always have, expected to see the unmistakable, perfectly timed coincidences that occurred. One member raises a motion with another in waiting for his turn. These two motions were well known and advertised. These were motions to vote for a pause in the certification to examine electoral vote fraud and irregularities. I can't speak to the veracity and substance of those motions. They were never even allowed to be flawed. It was at that exact moment that the House chambers were suspended and four of the key members, Pence, Pelosi, Schumer and McConnell, were escorted out right after initiating the end of the session. 
Effectively, this resulted in that motion never being flawed at all. Then, when reconvened under special emergency rules, inexplicably those two motions, and perhaps more we will never know, or will we, were not even attempted to be motioned. This was not just peculiar to me. It all started to make more sense when I did some study on constitutional law and the history of specific special authorities given to President of the Congress, Pence in this case. Not only did he have the authority and power to suspend the certification, but the duty to address the motion in the same sense that it becomes vital to the debate clause. There really is no higher significance of weight given to the debate clause than the certification of the votes. This was more than odd to me, the way that the media and Pence framed their narrative. Pence would not have the constitutional power to suspend certification. Then it hit me, like the obvious clue that was there all the time. He was right. But the reason he is right is because there was no motion on the floor to cause him to suspend. Understanding this happened for me about four or five months after this January 6th day. It took me this long to examine the facts, look at the video again, compare it to the arguments made by several leading constitutional academics, and again, inexplicably, even some that I respect seem to dodge that central reality. The motions were never allowed to be flawed in the reconvened House rules later that evening. Most would not even venture to address the exotically coincidence that the moment those two members would stand to place the motion before the House, that the House Speaker Pelosi and Pence ended the session, effectively blocking the motions from being heard in normal House rules. It's been a journey for me, a journey that was initiated because I'm just a simple but curious person, perhaps even to a point where I get obsessive in those efforts. Many days and nights combing over the details, praying and trying to make sense of what makes little sense. With over six states having serious, well-known and obvious defects in the voting process, some more credible to believe, some less, but one would not expect the House would be so deliberate in marching past the motions that were definitely going to be present to slow this process down and take the time to get it right, even if the claims never reached an intersection that would change the outcome. There are two possibilities. Millions of people against all the odds hitting all-time records, even past Obama and Clinton, voted for a navel-gazing, ambulatory, pathological, racist moron and chose Joe Malarkey as their leader. Or this was a coup, a conspiracy and a treasonous manipulation regime change because President Trump could not be controlled by the deep state and globalists who own and operate Washington, D.C. Both possibilities are terrifying. The only way for the people to gain power in this country is to force the transfer of it. If truth isn't the fuel and vehicle, we will just be replacing deck chairs and hitting the next series of expected icebergs. Knowing the truth is not enough. However, it is truth that makes it a righteous cause. God bless America. Sundance provides an addendum in support. Julie Kelly. Just as the first wave of protesters breached the building shortly after 2pm, congressional Republicans were poised to present evidence of rampant voting fraud in the 2020 presidential election. 
10 incumbent and four newly elected Republican senators plan to work with their House colleagues to demand the formation of an audit commission to investigate election irregularities in the 2020 election. Absent an audit, the group of senators, including Ted Cruz, Republican Texas, and Ron Johnson, Republican Wisconsin, pledged to reject the Electoral College results from the disputed states. The Hail Mary effort was doomed to fail, yet the American people would have heard hours of debate related to provable election fraud over the course of the day. And no one opposed the effort more than ex-Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Republican Kentucky. During a conference call on December 31st, 2020, McConnell urged his Republican Senate colleagues to abandon plans to object to the certification, insisting his vote to certify the 2020 election results would be the most consequential I have ever cast in his 36-year Senate career. From the Senate floor on the afternoon of January 6, McConnell gave a dramatic speech warning of the dire consequences to the country should Republicans succeed in delaying the vote. He downplayed examples of voting fraud and even mocked the fact that Trump-appointed judges rejected election lawsuits. The voters, the courts and the states have all spoken, McConnell insisted. If we overrule them, it would damage our republic forever. If this election were overturned by mere allegations from the losing side, our democracy would enter a death spiral. Roughly six hours later, McConnell got his way, cowed by the crowd of largely peaceful Americans allowed into the building by Capitol Police. Most Republican senators backed off the audit proposal. McConnell, echoing hyperbolic talking points about an insurrection, seeded earlier in the day by Democratic lawmakers and the news media, gloated. They tried to disrupt our democracy, he declared on the Senate floor after Congress reconvened around 8 p.m. This failed attempt to obstruct Congress, this failed insurrection, only underscores how crucial the task before us is for our republic. Congress officially certified the Electoral College results early the next day. So that was quite an eye-opener for me. It really explained what happened that day and why Ted Cruz and co., didn't raise the objections that were, they started to raise. Coincidentally, just as the QAnon shaman was escorted by a bunch of Capitol Police officers into the Capitol and taken right to the chamber itself. And, of course, we know that there were people like Ray Epps who were, you know, encouraging people to go into the, con con into the Capitol, sorry, you know, they were taking down fences and moving signs that said restricted areas. So these people had no idea that they were going into an area that they weren't supposed to enter on the day. And then, of course, we know about the Antifa people who were dressed up as Trump supporters. And they were the ones that were breaking windows and breaking into the Capitol and so on. So question is, how do we resolve this? Well, it seems to me that the fact that we've now got all these hours of January 6 video and more and more is coming out about the interference with FBI people involved as well, 
then the whole plot, I believe, is going to be revealed so that it's it's made evident that this coup was arranged by Pelosi. And as I've said many times, and you know, I'm sure most of you agree that it was obvious from the very start that this was a setup. So that explains probably why the Brunson case hasn't been heard. But I think it has to now be tackled from the point of view, not necessarily of initially looking at the fraud, but looking at this conspiracy by the rhinos like McConnell and the Democrats to block the review of the fraudulent election. So be interesting to see how this plays out. But again, as I said from the very beginning of the show, more and more is being revealed and disclosed. And this is why, as to use um, X-22's terms, you know, there's panic in DC, that the deep state is panicking, and rightly so. Moving on now to this uh, prediction that Trump is going to be arrested on Tuesday. Blaze Media reports, Trump says he expects to be arrested Tuesday, urges protests to take our nation back. And this was published today, actually. Former President Donald Trump said he expects to be arrested Tuesday in connection with a Manhattan district attorney investigation and urged citizens to protest, according to a Saturday morning social media post. The far and away leading Republican candidate and former president of the United States of America will be arrested on Tuesday of next week, Trump wrote Saturday on Truth Social, using all capital letters. Protest, take our nation back, he also said. There has been no notification other than illegal leaks from the Justice Department and the DA's office to NBC and other fake news carriers that the George Soros-funded radical left Democrat prosecutor in Manhattan has decided to take his witch hunt to the next level, a Trump spokesperson later said, apparently walking the statement back, KABC reported. President Trump is rightfully highlighting his innocence and the weaponization of our injustice system. He will be in Texas next weekend for a giant rally, the spokesperson also said. In his post, Trump referenced illegal leaks from the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. He described the office as corrupt and highly political. Further, he noted that the leader of the office is funded by leftist megadonor George Soros. According to Trump's post, Tuesday's potential arrest is based on an old and fully debunked by numerous other prosecutors fairy tale. At issue is Trump's reported payment of hush money to adult film star Stormy Daniels. Last week, Trump's attorney, Joe Takapina, told MSNBC and other outlets the hush money payment was not a crime. According to Takapina, Trump was following the advice of his then lawyer, Michael Cohen. Cohen pleaded guilty in 2018 to a federal charge related to the payment. Meetings regarding the pending indictment of the former president have been underway throughout the week, CNN reported. City, state and federal law enforcement agencies have all been involved in the preparation, the outlet said. Trump's legal team has been preparing in advance of the possible indictment as well, CNN said. 
He is expected to present himself in Manhattan after formal charges have been brought. Take our nation back quickly trended on Twitter following Trump's statement. Remember this? Well, now more than ever before it's being proven right, Donald Trump Jr. wrote Saturday morning. The former president's son included a photo of his father along with the following words. In reality, they're not after me. They're after you. I'm just in the way. If they can take him out, they're one step closer to taking you and your freedoms out. And apparently that's been the plan all along. I'm highly critical of this case, said Jonathan Turley, Shapiro Chair of Public Interest Law at George Washington University. However, given recent history, Trump needs to tap down any inflammatory rhetoric as we move forward. So it's obvious that this is another desperate attempt to take Trump down and to prevent him from running for office again in 2024. And becoming president again because they know he's going to take them down. He's been very strong in his rhetoric about what he's going to do to the deep state players. So they are just desperate now to stop that from happening. And they'll try anything they can to make sure that he doesn't get back into the White House. Related to this, um, we've got New York Post reporting Elon Musk says Trump will win landslide victory if indicted, that it will completely backfire on them. John Cardillo on Twitter says New York City law enforcement sources telling me that the Manhattan DA's office is in chaos. They're telling me about 60% of the office wants no part of this and wishes Bragg and Reese would just stop the nonsense. They all know there is no crime. Apparently, all being driven by a small group of radicals at the top, very similar to Russiagate. And then Vivek Ramaswamy tweeted a comment on this, and I believe he's put himself forward as a possible nominee for the presidential election. Um, I'm not sure how popular he will be, but anyway, he says a Trump indictment will be a national disaster. It is un-American for the ruling party to use police power to arrest its political rivals. If a Republican prosecutor in 2004 had used a campaign finance technicality to arrest then-candidate John Kerry while Bush and Cheney were in power, liberals would have cried foul and rightly so. Principles go beyond partisanship. Let the American people decide who governs. This will mark a dark moment in American history and will undermine public trust in our electoral system itself. I call on the Manhattan District Attorney to reconsider this action and to put aside partisan politics in service of preserving our constitutional republic. Prosecutors should apply the same standards as they would to anyone else. This wouldn't have been a criminal prosecution in any other case, a misdemeanor at most, no doubt about it. Our entire country is skating on thin ice right now. And we cannot afford to politicise the justice system or else we will reach our breaking point. So once again, the deep state are digging a hole for themselves. So moving on now to the financial meltdown. I reported two weeks ago on how Ben Fulford 
had predicted or was predicting a Credit Suisse bank crash. Well, here we go. March 15th, Gateway Pundit reports Credit Suisse shares tumble to new record low. Saudis pull funding, trading halts. Credit Suisse shares tumbled by as much as 30% to a new record low on Wednesday after Saudis pulled funding. Trading in the Swiss banking giant stock was halted several times on Wednesday. Saudi National Bank, which holds 9.88% of Credit Suisse, said it is unable to purchase any more shares because of regulations. We cannot because we would go above 10%. It's a regulatory issue, Saudi National Bank Chairman Amar al-Khuderi told Reuters. Credit Suisse CEO Ulrich Kerner told Reuters the Swiss bank's liquidity base is very, very strong. CNBC reported shares of Credit Suisse on Wednesday plunged to a fresh all-time low for the second consecutive day after a top investor in the embattled Swiss bank said it would not be able to provide any more cash due to regulatory restrictions. Trading in the bank's plummeting stock was halted several times throughout the morning as it fell below two Swiss francs, $2.17, for the first time. Swiss-listed Credit Suisse shares traded 17% lower at around 3 p.m. London time, 11 a.m. Eastern time, pairing some of its earlier losses after dropping more than 30% at one point. The share price route renewed a broader sell-off among European lenders, which were already facing significant market turmoil as a result of the Silicon Valley Bank fallout. Some of the biggest decliners included France's Societe Générale, Spain's Banco de Sabadell and Germany's Commerzbank. So let's see what Benjamin Fulford has to say this week about all that's going on. Just bear in mind that the Gateway Pundit article was put out on the 15th and um, Fulford's article, his weekly report, was put out on the 13th. So obviously before that um, crash of Credit Suisse. So March Madness begins as Rockefeller Biden horror horror show implodes. Don't be fooled by the Silicon Valley Bank sideshow. What is really happening is the Rockefeller Biden horror show is imploding. Let's be clear. So-called President Joe Biden, Janet Yellen, the Rockefellers, etc. are all criminals who are about to face justice. To see what a joke this regime is, watch the so-called leader of the free world say they had to take the top of my head off a couple of times to see if I had a brain. And Ryan Fournier on Truth Social says Russian dementia care facilities are using Biden on their poster. I posted the photo that he included in this post, um, which caused great hilarity on Facebook. Do you think these guys are going to stay in control by bailing themselves out with their own money? No, they are all going to be bankrupted and sent to jail. Just watch and see. What happened with the $209 billion SVB is insiders withdrew all their money from the bank only to have Janet Yellen step in to replenish their funds. Canadian intelligence sources say it was just a massive bribery operation that will not fool anybody. Ponder this. 
The CFO of SVB Bank is none other than the former CFO of Lehman Brothers. And unusual Wales tweets breaking before the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. SIVB, the CEO, sold 3.57 million of stock within the last two weeks. And then Silicon Valley Bank had no head of risk assessment for nine months before it collapsed as woke boss for Europe, Middle East and Africa was busy organising a month-long pride campaign and a lesbian visibility day. There's a whole bunch of charts and uh, statistics and list of uh, depositors in SVB. I'm not going to share all of those. Um, I'm just going to go on to his commentary. This whole sideshow was meant to divert attention from much bigger news of the bankruptcy of the United States of America Corporation and with it the entire Khazarian Mafia control grid. That is why the head of the Nazi EU, Ursula von der Leyen, met on March 10th with the fake President Joe Biden to start talks on establishing a global critical raw materials club. In other words, they are starting talks after already being cut off from stealing raw materials from the rest of the world. In a clear sign of this, Australia's government-owned Perth Mint was caught last week selling 100 tonnes of impure gold bars in Shanghai in a desperate attempt to get funding for the FRB. This is just the tip of the iceberg. The BIS and the Swiss Central Bank gold vaults are empty and no explanation has been given as to where the gold went. At the highest level of the world financial system, only real stuff like gold is accepted. So if they have no gold, they have no mojo. They are cut off not just from gold, but from oil too. That is what was behind the announcement by Iran and Saudi Arabia that they were going to start a military alliance in cooperation with China. Iranian sources tell us that a secret clause to this agreement is that Iran has been recognised as a nuclear power and that Saudi Arabia will also have a nuclear deterrent to stave off KM nuclear blackmail. The Iranian Monitor News Agency says today arrogance knows it has no other option than diplomacy and they have accepted Iran as a nuclear country. After this announcement, the head of the Iran-China Chamber of Commerce tweeted, Comrades, pour whatever dollars you have saved into the market. This means the Rockefeller petrodollar has been consigned to the dustbin of history. The US dollar is now officially the UN dollar and is no longer controlled by the United States Corporation. The UN dollar is backed by gold and commodities but not controlled any longer by the Khazarian Mafia. In other words, all those dollars Janet Yellen is doling out to her co-criminals are not backed by reality. This is going to be obvious to everybody sooner rather than later. The KM financial system is going to implode. That is a mathematical certainty. The SVB bankruptcy is just a distraction from the now confirmed much bigger collapse of Credit Suisse, which, according to the Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation, DTCC will be shutting down accounts as of March 24th. So he obviously did know about the Credit Suisse thing. I was wrong about that. Credit Suisse will just be the first big domino. The banking collapse in the US has already begun. There is no turning back. The KM can't stop what's coming. I was advised to watch Credit Suisse and Deutsche Bank, a Mossad source says.
In a sign the whole house of cards is about to collapse, Hal Turner reports, word from money giant Vanguard is that people with 401ks who have been trying to make hardship withdrawals for the past two months have been stymied by Vanguard. Something big is going to give, likely in the short term, and likely it's going to get combined with some sort of show geopolitically. Think China, cyber attacks, something like that, could well turn out to be the end of the Biden admin. We'll have to wait and see, but things are going to get crazy, says Anthony Mitchells. All central banks around the world are bankrupted now. It is just not revealed to the public yet, and maybe it's a good thing. This is the White Hat military alliance's softest landing approach to avoid maximum tragedies, suffering and casualties for all citizens, a Canadian intelligence source says. The bankruptcy reveal will be done publicly in phases to ensure not creating a full meltdown of citizens all over the world all at once, he says. As more and more people figure out what is truly going on inside the matrix financial systems and government, It is not going to be fun. It will be more intense than the last three years of dealing with the Convid agenda, he adds. He then goes on to talk about uh, impact on various other nations. I don't have time to include that because I'm getting to the end of the show. But just jump down to the KM colony of the United States is also in open revolt. For example, Arizona Governor Carrie Lake had a meeting with Mel Gibson to discuss the new American Revolution. Mel Gibson tells her he's currently working on a movie about the Rothschilds and a sequel to The Passion of the Christ. Speaking of Carrie Lake and the rigged election against her, a $38 million payment was made from the CDC to Maricopa County for super important workforce and foundational capabilities three weeks after they rigged it against Carrie Lake in the midterm election. This is just a part of an avalanche of revelations. We also found out nine more boxes of incriminating Biden documents were found in Boston. There is more that I don't have time for, but I just want to end with this message from Q News Patriot from his audio number 44 on the 11th of March. All current events are leading to a point of military justice, to a point of transition, real physical world kinetic transition, leading to the end of an age. The process has been playing out for about seven and a half years, and we're now approaching the precipice, event horizons, where enough of mankind is awake to what's going on and taking active steps to disintegrate the deep state. And we're also discovering our spiritual power, which influences those events. So I haven't had time to watch the rest of this uh, audio because I only found it last night. But it's very encouraging, I must say. So that's all I have time for this week. I want to thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll join me next Saturday for another Cosmic Creating show. Thank you to Nancy Hopkins for producing and to Derek Condit for sponsoring Cosmic Reality Radio. Go to his mysticalwares.com website and find some beautiful metaphysical and crystal products. And so until next time, stay well, be safe and bye for now. You have been listening to Cosmic Creating with Jan Shaw, updating current reality, a production of CosmicReality.com.